The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in flesh! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into hour three um, of our three-hour tour, or as I like to call it, the third half of our three-hour tour. And we're joined now by uh, another candidate for governor. We've had some of the Republicans on, some that are on the ballot and some that aren't on the ballot coming up in August. But uh, this next candidate has been on the show before, and he will be on the ballot. He is the Libertarian candidate for governor for the great state of Michigan. Evan Space is his name, and he joins me now by phone. Evan, good morning, and welcome back to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for having me. Um, last time you were a write-in candidate, how did things go better for you this time? And uh, and also, how did you not get caught up in the, the mess that some of the GOP candidates uh, found themselves in over petitions? Uh, that's a true test of time and uh, practice. Um, trying to stay true to my roots of where I'm at uh, with my public policies and what I want to promote as a candidate running for governor and make sure that I'd stay right on track with things. And I found myself uh, leaning into uh, a new political party that is actually seems very befitting for the policies that I want to move with, and that's the Libertarians. Now, I was talking earlier with um, a GOP congressional candidate, and we were talking about the fact that the Republicans, and Democrats do this too, have a uh, it's it's not a nominating convention it's not an endorsement convention well I guess it is an endorsement convention but they sort of pick a favorite of uh, their candidates that are running for particular offices they don't do it for governor I don't think they do it for for house and so on but what do the libertarians do different? Are there multiple libertarians running in this August primary, or is there a candidate pre-selected? Actually, I'm very glad you asked that question. The uh, nomination convention for this happens this Saturday coming up. Uh, that's when they pick their candidate for the office and who's running. Uh, currently, I believe I have two other candidates that are running for the libertarian ticket as well. And um, I hope to pursue and be able to take the ticket. Will they be on the uh, on the ballot as well? Uh, this is actually to determine this nomination convention coming up will determine who they will pick for being on the ballot. So it's already predetermined that the libertarians are going to have one spot even on the primary ballot. 
Oh no 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 no! The primaries are are separate. That that's for the, the the people who have put their signatures in, like that, and have moved forward in that direction. And oh, you don't have to, to go through the August primary to be on the November ballot, then. That's correct. Ah, okay, okay. Well, see, that's why I love doing this show. I learn stuff all the time. Um, this is not the first time that you've put your name out there or thrown your hat into the ring, as they say. Um, what is it that interests you about public service, and why aren't you as frustrated as other people? Um, giving back <laughs> and frustration, I think that was taken away when I actually signed up with the military. <laughs> I was able to learn a lot and a lot of uh, temperance and patience with them and uh, be able to uh, make some valiant efforts in being uh, successful and uh, letting things roll the other way and just keep on moving forward. So uh, it makes me a very resilient candidate and somebody's just true to the roots of who they are and not trying to gain a whole bunch of extra money from somebody's pocket and somebody's just looking to make the right moves and the right policies happen for the state of Michigan. You know, there um, there was a, a couple of front runners um, on the GOP uh, slate. Um, former Detroit Police Chief um, James Craig and and then there was the millionaire who was basically doing the Rick Snyder strategy and and he got knocked off the ballot before the primary even began but it is expensive to run for governor how are the libertarians on on raising money and getting behind your campaign all right do you think it's possible to to have an upset Third uh, or alternative parties don't usually fare this very well. Could be a potential year for an upset for the state of Michigan. Um, I I know that is I know what the, the standing odds are, uh, but I want to actually see if we can change history and make it happen for the state of Michigan. Um, right now, I've been up against some of the biggest names and everything like that. And you were right; it was Perry Johnson that was running that had actually put that ad out there. And then you also have Rankio, who also has put a lot of money into the ring as well. Um, it'll be interesting because it's only coming down to one person in the end with all this money being thrown around. And um, like I said, if I'm picked, I want to make sure that everybody knows where their money's actually going. Now, how does that, how does that work exactly? Um, and and by the way, Kevin Rinky is uh, scheduled to be uh, to be on my show next Wednesday uh, during the nine o'clock hour. Um, but if um, you're automatically on the November ballot, so it's not just not a yet. two horse I race. To, I make that I have to make the nomination convention to have that happen. But it's um, there's going to be a libertarian on the ballot, so it, there's automatically more than two people in this particular horse race in November. Um, yes, that's correct. So, do you think it's possible that um, that you can get enough people 
to the polls. If you're going to get, if, if a libertarian is going to win in November, Evan, and I'm sure you know this, yes. it's going to take a lot of people voting that maybe don't typically vote. How do you get them out? Good question. I plan to take a tour bus and drive all over the state of Michigan. Uh, actually, this summer here in the next the next couple of weeks, and just keep on going all over the state and just promoting my name. Um, actually, going to doing like speakeasies at places like the VFW halls and setting up some small events and stuff like that. I'm an avid golfer, so I plan to put out a couple of golf outings here shortly and uh, start making fundraising that way. The party has their certain amounts of monies that they do allow funding for once they have picked their candidate, and that's what has been attributed to, to their, their treasure, and that's who works with that. So they're a very organized uh, group, just as much as the GOP and everything like that, and the Democrats, and they have their certain things that they can do but once everything gets moving is when you start seeing the, the whole the, the whole clock working together. Evan, who was the uh, libertarian candidate last time? It was Gilenol. Bill Gilenol. Oh, that's right. That's right. Bill's been on the show a number of times. And um, is he running again? No, he's not. I got the no. impression he, that was, you know... Uh, <laughs> His experience uh, last time had kind of soured him on uh, on running again. Um, but are any of the candidates in the uh, um, that are that are up for uh, nomination by the Libertarian Party this weekend? Um, are any of them former candidates? Uh, one of them, I believe, is at least yes. And you say there are three? Me and the other two, yes. Okay. That's correct. Okay. And that comes up uh, That comes up Saturday. Now, is that, that's obviously a statewide convention. Are there... Yeah, yeah, Holland, Michigan, right over there. It's being held in Holland. Up at the Hayward Hotel. And is it, um, are there... Chapters around the state, uh, is the state pretty well organized, or are there just, uh, you know, a handful of delegates from a half a dozen cities? No, it's very well organized. Uh, there's a lot of different chapters across the state of Michigan, and uh, I've even learned about some new caucuses that they're building within their own, within their own thing that's creating some uproar, but... At the same time, uh, I'm just listening to everything of what's going on and uh, be able to follow suit with the party and do the best I can to represent them. Evan, are, but, you, are you new to the Libertarian uh, Party? Pardon? Are you a new member of the Libertarian Party, or have you been involved with them before? Uh, new. I would be a new member, yes. And now I remember when uh, Gary Johnson, the former uh, governor of Arizona, um, left the Republican Party and joined the uh, Libertarian Party and became their uh, nominee to run for president two or three terms uh, ago. And 
there were a lot of people that um, were not as supportive of Gary Johnson as they might have been because they thought of him as, as sort of using the libertarians as uh, a way to stay in the race. But um, do you have concerns about that on a more local grassroots level that there are people that think, well, you weren't a, a libertarian yesterday. Why should I vote for you yeah, today? There can all be people like that, yes. I, I can understand that fully. Um, myself, um, I've always been, as you know, and I've always been the moderate uh moderate uh, constitutional as a concern more constitutional conservative than most people that are the republicans and everybody says that it didn't exist and then when i when i uh, started to look into the libertarians I, I realized that that it does fit really well with that and that's why i decided to to uh fit in with them and see where we could go with the party and be able to make it stronger um so uh my belief is that I, I think that there needs to be a balance between uh, not just a two-party system, but there needs to be at least a third party just as strong as the other two. Is is campaigning for the nomination a lot different than campaigning for the office? Are there certain people you have to meet with and talk to? How do you how do you how do you secure your nomination this weekend? Um. It goes down to a process of being you know, to present yourself uh, and you know to say what you are as a, a candidate and be able to uh, give your speech to them and see what they decide. And there's delegates, just like you have delegates, uh, precinct delegates here, uh, voting for for other uh, members to move forward uh, and be voted upon in in our uh, offices. Uh, you have the same thing going on with the Libertarian Party. And they decide who is the one to be uh, their their nomination. How are you being received by the libertarian leadership? I I feel very welcome with them. They're a very welcoming crowd. They they are open arms and uh, very nice uh, individuals with a lot more new ideas. I think that are refreshing to 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 listen to and talk about um, alone, and I and I think that's inspirational just to even hear that. Have you been able to meet yet with libertarians around the state, or is that a process that begins after nomination? I have actually met with several of the different uh, groups across the state of Michigan, and I've even reached out to the ones in the Upper Peninsula as well. Because I think that is something that needs to not be forgotten about at all. And uh, I've been in contact with all of them. So I'm looking forward to meeting them once again this weekend. My guest is Evan Space. He is uh, a candidate for the nomination this weekend of uh, for the Libertarian spot on the November ballot for this year's election uh, of uh, Michigan governor and uh, Evan I have to take a break here can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more absolutely sir all right um, we're going to let our broadcast partners at WFOVLP 92.1 FM Flint squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break if you're streaming us at townsumnerprogram.com we have some messages as well so don't touch that dial don't click that mouse 
More of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You know, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. 
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we continue now with my conversation with Libertarian candidate for Michigan Governor Evan Space. Evan, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, you're quite all right. Um, Evan, we were talking a, a little bit about the process for a Libertarian getting on the ballot and getting elected, but... What happens if we end up with a libertarian governor and the relationship between the governor's office and uh, the legislature? Um, as far as them getting along, I think yeah, they would. How, do, how do you see how do you see a libertarian being effective in the uh, in the governor's mansion with no political party um, in the legislature to back him up, or at least certainly not in big numbers? Well, that will definitely make them the uh, the the smaller party now. Went to that, um, but at the same time, I think that if you have the right person, that even if the title is libertarian, that doesn't even really matter. It's the right person that you have in office that can actually work with the legislator on both sides of the political party, which is actually the the beauty of the party itself. The Libertarian Party is a a party that welcomes not just the right. They also cut people from the left as well. And it's in a culmination of both both sides, which makes it a very, very versatile party to work with. And I think that the legislator would be easier to work with with that than to having with somebody that is complete on an oppositional uh, viewpoint is what they are. With some of the issues um, that are going to be prominent in the November election and in the the months following the November election, and I'm thinking specifically of the recent uh, Supreme Court ruling's impact on abortion and, and sort of uh, uh, thwarting uh, Roe v. Wade um, and, and the efforts going on in Michigan to determine whether abortion is going to be legal or not legal. Where do you fall on that issue, and how would you work with the legislature to come up with something workable for Michigan? Well, um, uh, I, I've always been a pro-lifer. Um, I do believe that all life matters. Um, I was over at the Capitol just the other day, and I actually got to see the other side of the, the viewpoint, and that was the the pro-choicers that were over there uh, voicing their opinions and everything like that strongly and and uh, they were they were pouring their hearts out about everything like this issue. Now, not being uh, female, obviously, I don't. I will never fully understand the impact of, uh, of childbirth, you know. Um, but what I need to know is I need to make sure it's important for us to understand that we understand what they what they're going through. Um, it's a very very touchy situation. What happened with with the. Uh, with the Supreme Court uh, delegating it back to the states, because you're going to see states that are going to be creating a whole bunch of uh, conflict between one another just by their their viewpoint of what they decide to do. Um, I would work very hard with them to be able to make sure that 
that every single voice is heard no matter what. Uh, my voice is that I do believe that life matters, um, and uh, I believe that I need to listen to everyone to be able to make the, the best decision possible for that to happen. Well, do you think the uh, the Michigan law that, that is basically a 100% ban of uh, abortion, that that should be allowed to go forward? It's, you know, currently being blocked by, uh, by injunction. But um, as we move forward, or do you think that should be struck down and, and something that's maybe a little more moderate might be better for Michigan? You know, I think that's. I think that we're talking on the same page right there, Tom. That's, that's a great viewpoint to look at. That I, I do believe that we should knock it down and actually restructure it to something a little bit more moderate that actually will will work with everyone, right? You know, and at least know that not that your voice isn't heard, your voice is heard, and that we will do the best ourselves to be able to make sure that all life is is always acknowledged and that that this is the way things work best. No. Can you find um, solutions that work for everybody in this day and age? I sure can, actually, Tom. Um, it's called life lessons that you learned growing up. I've had quite a few of them. Um, it's, it's not just an experience of just being the person who's the smartest in the room with, with a book, but it's also about somebody who's experienced it all and understood those kinds of things to be able to to uh, be in that position. But we find ourselves looking at a country and we have we have two major political parties as as everyone knows the uh, the elephants and the donkeys I'll say I'll say it the nice way but Republicans and <laughs> Democrats. And um, and and there is a basic understanding throughout the country that there is a divide virtually gridlock between those two parties and 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 they don't seem to be willing to compromise or negotiate it's you either agree with me well you you agree with me or you're a moron is basically the attitude that both sides have where do libertarians fit in that great divide uh they're they're a little bit more concise like I, like we were talking about on legislation, I'd be able to draw up something that would be more favorable for everyone. Uh, their their ability to be able to do that would be able to bring that forward and make a the most rational choice for for what needs to be what needs to be done. They're not going to be like looking at the. The, the gray areas and saying there is no gray area and it's just my way or that way. They actually look at both. And that that's that's why uh, that's why the porcupine is doing so well. They're not they're not letting people walk all over them. They're gonna be able to stand up and they're voicing their opinion strong and they're 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 saying that that they that they can say that sometimes the choices on the left might be um a little bit better, and then they might say the choices on the right might be a little bit better on that. So that's that's why why they are a little bit different, and what will make them stronger. What do you think needs to be done, and and what might you initiate as governor 
um, to better serve the citizens of, of Michigan? Um, what things might you try to steer through the legislature? What are, what are the big issues you think matter to the voters, and how would you represent their best interests if elected? Well, that's a great question, actually. Um, I have a, I, I believe that we need to do something about the, the Michigan business tax on top of everything that we have going on. Uh, if we eliminate the Michigan business tax, we can be able to generate a lot more revenue and income for the economy of the state of Michigan and find other ways to be able to, to make it up and make Michigan move in a healthier direction and has the economy grows with it because employers will be able to help uh, pay for their employees with a uh, more stronger pay rate. They'll be able to also make sure that they, it gives incentives for younger generations that want to start up their own businesses, that they can start it up without having to have uh, heavy amounts of taxes put on them as they start their business going forward, uh, giving Michigan uh, a new uh, healthy uh look at how people want to move and where they're going to move to. They would want to move to the state of Michigan. If there's certain incentives like that, they would help us out. Um, I look at bringing jobs into the state of Michigan, and that was my, my space, the space exploration era programs that are coming in. Uh, I would like to seek and promote for contracts. Uh, we do have launch sites up in the Upper Peninsula. Uh, I do not think that it is anything less than helpful for our state if we do not look at the option as you know say why not bring all these jobs and opportunities to our state why not be able to launch uh, up from the up peninsula and be able to uh, make space exploration programs strong for the state of michigan and bring hundreds of thousands of new jobs with the manufacturing industry the uh, other industries like education as well and uh and also inspire other people to move to the state here. I want to bring Michigan around and be able to make Michigan a place that everybody says, well, where do you live? Michigan, and they're like, oh, you're a lucky person. That's where I want to bring things to, Tom. I want to be able to make Michigan back on its feet. That's why... When you, you talk know, about bringing space launches to Michigan and from Michigan, are there any climate concerns? And I don't mean climate change concerns. I mean... We have winter here, and they don't in Texas and Florida, where launches are typically done. Um, is is that a, a concern? Is that something that needs a workaround? Yeah, it will be something that would have to be worked around, obviously, because obviously things have to be in perfect conditions for things to happen. But um, if they if they have sites up there, they they have them there for a reason. They must know that there's actually. Uh, things that work with it for them to have put it in the first place. So let's let's start moving forward and make it happen. Um, I, I'll obviously say that I'm not the expert with it with this uh, in deeper detail, but I do know that that if we look in the direction of what what our future is going with, we can actually be able to move uh, lots and lots of revenue, income, and economy. Uh, towards Michigan by doing this. Wouldn't it help to start out with uh, with some chips that we could put in the cars that we're, we're not able to, to sell right now because we're having trouble getting uh, parts? 
It could be. I mean, we could bring jobs like that to there. We have all these. We have all these uh, abandoned sites here in Michigan. Uh, Detroit's down, and we need to have a proposed plan for what we're going to do with Detroit by bringing it back. Uh, we need to bring programs and uh, make sure that that it rebuilds itself. Um, I think that we're not doing enough to look at the state, and we're pointing fingers too much about who's doing what right now in the office and uh, what they can do to say that that this person is doing wrong rather than what we can do for our state. Michigan needs to be looked at like the Flint and also what's happened over in Benton Harbor with water. Uh, water is a big concern that I want to make sure that we, we do not fall short of, make sure it happens with the state, you know, and when we have that happen, we make sure that our citizens are healthy again. They come first, I believe. Well, that that involves uh, infrastructure and and probably a lot of money. Do you think some of the money that's coming in uh, for COVID relief should be steered toward uh, things that will have a long-range impact, like roads, bridges, and and uh, uh, water systems and, and other infrastructure projects around the state? I truly do believe that. Um, I'd be doing a full 100-day audit on the state spending on where it's going so everybody has a full transparency to see what we're doing with our, with our state funds. And then uh, we can actually allocate it better, as you would say, by saying some things are not necessary to be spending on and we're spending it in the wrong areas, and we need to move it to where it, where it can make the most benefit for everyone. Well, I'm just concerned. I, I've seen it happen so many times uh, with grant funding and, you know, federal bailouts and so on, that, that the, the money comes in, and there are a bunch of short-term fixes, and then the money runs out, and, you know, then all of a sudden these these programs or... Um, initiatives fail because there's no more money for it. Whereas, you know, if you if you build a bridge with the money, it might last a little while. Right. Put the money into where the value is, and you know it will last longer. That's exactly right. That makes the economy stronger. And that might free up some of the money that you would have used for those kinds of projects for the feel-good stuff, you know, the, the short-term um kind of thing. Anyway, that that's just a, a personal thought and observation. But from you, what is, um, Evan, if you were elected governor, what is day one? Are, are there agencies that you would want to combine or shore up or restaff? What, what kinds of things would you do administratively to settle in? to your new office? Um, I would have to look at that as uh, that would be the look, that would be the audit that we were just talking about ah. going over the structure and all the policies that are, that have been uh, put forward uh, in her last uh, cycle that she's gone through, seeing what was, what was passed uh, with the laws and everything like that. Uh, also look at what we are, where the money has been spent and everything like that. And then I would then develop a plan of action to move forward with that. Um, until I know fully what we're dealing with, then I would be able to make a, a, a more detailed answer about that. What do you think about um, the governor's 
handling of the uh, public safety, uh, public health and safety elements of the of the recent pandemic. Do you think she was too tough? Okay. Um, yeah, I think that it was it was this this virus that we had that we went around COVID nineteen. It was obviously something that we couldn't control in the first place, and we did everything we could to be able to stop it. But we weren't used to seeing this kind of thing happen at a massive level across the world, and it happened now in our generation. Uh, it happened with the Spanish flu, and now it happened with us. Um, what we did in a state, I think, there was excess and there was under excess. And uh, I think that what was being pushed upon people is actually taking away people's personal rights and also taking money and putting people in danger as well. All these things that were happening at the same time, I, I can never forget about the incident that happened with her putting uh, people into the retirement homes with the, the elderly and how that put them at risk for, for their health. And things could have been held much differently than what they were at that time and moment. Um, I do believe that if we, we handle it better, we can make ourselves a lot more safe than we are right now. Uh, these mask mandates are out of hand still. Uh, and all this this, everybody doesn't understand that if you don't have some sort of, of uh, involvement with, with being able to get immunities towards it, you're, you're going to be in like a health environment where it's a clean environment, but then when you take the mask off, you're going to be more susceptible to the, the virus itself. So uh, we need to get people to start building natural immunities up as much as they can. Uh, I think that the the, the lo long surge of it has passed now, and that we're looking at how we can control it best and learning from what we did right and then what we did wrong and uh, make the, the next move with the, the whole pandemic that we had dealt with. Do you think the legislature was uh, right in, in going after and trying to roll back some of the uh, uh, emergency powers and executive privileges that... Um, uh, Governor Whitmer used in in her efforts to combat the pandemic and and deal with the pandemic. Oh, taking it away from her. Yeah, I think that the, I think that they were right in doing that. I mean, it was giving one person too much authority in a situation like that when it when it shouldn't be in that situation at all. What um. What do you think are going to be the big issues uh, facing us um, going forward? What, what what do you think about Michigan's role in the 2024 presidential election? Do you think we should be one of the early uh, primary states? Uh, I can already see that the 2024 election coming up is going to be uh, is going to be very heated. It's going to be uh, it's going to be very controversial. Um, I see that there's going to be obviously a defined, definitely a defined winner, and that there's going to be a lot more checks and balances, not checks and balances, but a lot more securities on everything when they do the voting to make sure that everything is done right and that 
that there's going to be no more of this discrepancy that we've had for all this time. Do you think we had uh, discrepancies or um, just a lack of faith in in how the system was working? I, I believe it was both, actually, Tom. I believe discrepancies and it was a lack of faith at the same time uh, that we're both playing into it. And that has created... Uh, a, a new movement within the party itself with the grassroots and, and the GOP and them being two different movements at the same time. Do you think that the um, outcome of the 2020 election was, uh, was rigged or stolen? Do you think there were, there were enough shenanigans that it could have changed the outcome? Um, if there's enough votes that are that have not been counted or that were um, not put in right, then yes, that could have changed the outcome of things like that. And it is, I do believe that things could have been different if, uh, if those things didn't happen. Do you, do you, um, do you doubt then the investigations and the court cases that, that ruled that there weren't big enough, uh, um, well, for lack of a better word, shenanigans uh, to flip the election? Uh, doubt, doubt in uh, them to be able to move forward with that. I don't think there was much doubt in everything that, that they were able to actually pull forward with the evidence that came forward, honestly. So, so you think that Biden was duly elected? Um, you could say so. I would. I mean, if I didn't, if I if I knew the actual what was, what wasn't, then I could actually define and say yes to that. But um, but you have doubts. Belief, yes, I do have doubts. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Evan, uh, the time is going so fast, and and we're just almost out of it. But as you know, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your campaign and some of the work that you've done um, past, present, and hopefully future. Uh, do you have a website you'd like to share? Uh, absolutely. Uh, spaceforgovernor.com. That's my website that I'm at. Um, I'm this, I think I'm, the, I think I'm the, the only military veteran that's still in the race right now. <laughs> Uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, definitely a shout out to all my, my military friends out there and say, uh, keep on following me and, and make this campaign strong. Uh, I'm looking to, to make uh, an election uh, upset possibly happen here for the state of Michigan and make history. Uh, this, this is going to be an interesting year to see what goes on. Well, Evan, thanks uh, thanks for your service and your willingness to continue to serve, and best of luck to you at the uh, nominating convention for the Libertarians this weekend. Well, thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on your show. It was great to have that opportunity. Take care. Thank you. You too. That was... Um, Evan Space, he has uh, run before for governor. He is uh, a libertarian and seeking their nomination this weekend to uh, be on the November ballot to run uh, against 
Gretchen Whitmer and whoever the hey. Republicans <laughs> pick. We'll be back with the final segment right after this. You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMagno. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan with Blood Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital. Go to a local symphony concert, Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. 
Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And now for something completely different. This is Mark Beardsley in Middle America for Off the Cuff. One of the political maxims to which our host of Off the Cuff, Tom Sumner and I, usually agree on is that old adage that if you don't vote, you don't get to complain. We feel that democracy isn't just about rights, but responsibilities. In this case, the responsibility of participation. This is, after all, a participatory democracy. But with all due respect to Tom, I'm not sure if I agree with him anymore. And here's why. There is not just one kind of non-voter. Not all people who choose not to vote are apathetic about our country or their states or their localities. And they're not all stupid either. Many who do not vote care deeply about issues of public policy. It's just that, all too often, they cannot discern any meaningful difference between the candidates of the two major parties who end up on the ballots. And so they decide that in choosing not to decide, they still have made a choice. A choice against ineffective incumbents, or partisan figureheads, or corporate-sponsored hacks, or even bored billionaires. Voting, not just for president, but for federal and state legislators, municipal officials, judges, and law enforcement leaders, can feel quite futile. Until we get true campaign finance reform and electoral reform, which breaks the two-party stranglehold on the electoral process, enlightened arguments against voting will remain not only valid, but solid. Consider some of the reasons why people avoid performing their duty on election day. Let's look at our economy, for example. While the federal government exercises some control, such as over the money supply and interest rates, and over spending levels and spending priorities, we live in a capitalist state, which means the government doesn't really control anything. That's left to the free market, whose players know they are in a win-win situation. When the free market succeeds, they get rich. When it fails, they get bailed out. While most of us are still wincing over the economic hits we've endured over the last two years, politicians are still pointing fingers over who to blame for the whole mess. I have to ask the question, 
what difference did our votes make about over-leveraged Wall Street securities firms? Or about the purchase and sale of subprime mortgage packages? Or about trading in exotic investment instruments like derivatives or toxic asset-backed securities or credit default swaps or collateralized bond obligations? Um, what difference did our votes make about making money off of money or about banks that are too big to fail? The answer is that voting made no difference. Most of us are still confused about under whose watch the economy tanked, but the real answer is that it doesn't matter. Bush or Obama, neither of them chose to carry any real regulatory big sticks. Neither was willing to allow poorly managed banks to go belly up, and both engaged in corporate welfare. And now, in the wake of that disaster, the leader of the party of Franklin Roosevelt remains reluctant to institute job creation programs because he's petrified by any appearance of living up to that socialist label he's somehow been branded with. Meanwhile, employment, which is central to the livelihood of our capitalist citizenry, is left in the hands of a free market which has no interest in creating jobs. 10% unemployment prevails, and it looks like it may be around for quite some time, maybe indefinitely. And it may very well get even higher. So, if members of both major political parties lack the will to create jobs, or to control the forces that cause economic turmoil to begin with, content to just sit back and allow the invisible hand of the free market determine our employment rates, our benefit packages, and ultimately, our standard of living and our quality of life, those bread and butter issues that are most important to us, what's the point in voting for either of them? Ah, yes, but one might say, what about foreign policy? We have a voice in who our commander-in-chief is. Don't we want to use it? Well, let us again consider. The United States has followed a policy of military, I'm sorry, military engagement since the end of World War II, whether in large-scale campaigns like Korea and Vietnam, or small-scale brush-fire proxy wars like those of yesterday in Grenada and Kosovo, those of today in Iraq and Afghanistan, and those of tomorrow in Yemen or Syria. Different commanders-in-chief, same foreign policy. Henry Kissinger wins a Nobel Peace Prize, so does Barack Obama. But across these generations, America continues to deploy for war. Sure, economics and foreign policy are not the only issues, but really, they are just two ends of one issue, security. Financial security domestically, national security and foreign affairs. There is a reason gay marriage and abortion rights and school prayer are called cultural issues. Public attitudes about them adjust with the cultural priorities of the generations. These days, we yawn when we hear that another politician has had an extramarital affair. I hear the rumblings of those who disagree with me. What about health care, they may yell. Well, what about it? I'll tell you what about it. The man we elected as president neglected the bully pulpit, leaving members of the minority party in Congress to determine the course of the debate. 
and we are left with so-called health care reform that does little more than pad the profits of health insurance companies. If this doesn't demonstrate that the two-party system is broken, what will? Did we hear anyone from either party say, criminal suspects have the right to free legal representation, so all American citizens deserve the right to free health care? No, we did not. Likewise, we'll never see laws mandating the creation of jobs, or laws preventing the mobilization of another 100,000 troops to do what could best be handled by a handful of covert operations specialists. So, what do we do about all this? How do we increase innovation in public policy formulation? How do we initiate dramatic proposals to address dramatic problems? Where will the brilliant solutions to forbidding challenges come from? How do we get real change? Indeed, how do we get any change at all if we don't vote? The answers to these questions could be debated for a long time, and I surely do not have all the answers. But a good place to start is to change the electoral process to allow for a broader chorus of voices and a wider scope of choices. There are well-informed but disgusted non-voters out here, and all it takes to get them involved is to make sure that our elections do not come down to a choice between the lesser of two evils or between Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Many non-voters feel straitjacketed by the iron grip of the two major parties. They distinguish no pure differences between the party in control and the party which seeks control. If changing this perception means dismantling the two-party system in favor of a wide range of independent, passionate, and unblemished civic advocates to represent us, I say, let's give that a try. This is Mark Beardsley in Middle America for Off the Cuff. From the Tom Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Hope you enjoyed the guests we had this last hour. Uh, we had uh, Evan Space, Libertarian candidate for governor of Michigan. Um, in the middle uh, today, the second hour of our three-hour tour, Wesley Whitaker talking about the Convention of States. And we started out this morning with a uh, GOP candidate for Congress in the 8th District, uh, seeking the nomination to run against Dan Kildee for that uh, newly drawn district. We also heard kind of a throwback Thursday thing from 10 years ago, Mark Beardsley and some of his essays, surprising how 10 years later and they're still kind of relevant. Anyway, uh, that smoking George sending me down the hall to the living room. I'll be back tomorrow. Good night, everybody. The program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.